Hello and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by founder and director of Rationale Skincare, Richard Parker. Now, before we get into the interview, I wanted to say a short but really sincere thank you for your support following episode one. I read every review, every email, every post on social, and I still haven't quite wrapped my head around it, but it was that level of support that got us to number 14 on the national iTunes chart and number one on the arts chart within a few hours of launching. So if I'm perfectly honest, I'm a bit concerned that we may have peaked too soon, but there's only one way to find out. Richard Parker. I could have easily listened to him for hours and hours on end as the man is a genius and we actually continued to chat for a good half hour after I'd turned the microphones off which is something I regret doing however if there is one big discussion point that has stuck with me following our chat it's that we're living in the age of the entrepreneur now Richard and I agreed that this is an exciting time as so many people are feeling empowered to begin their own businesses and turn their side hustle, if you will, into a full-time venture. It is a double-edged sword. Thanks in large part to social media, so many people are craving overnight success and instant gratification. However, as you'll hear in this interview, rationale and almost all successful businesses are built over years of work and built on decades of research. Rationale applies that same principle to their products. Richard and his team don't aim to create overnight miracles or quick skin fixes. Just as it takes time to see changes in the health of our body when we change our eating habits, Rationale products are formulated to improve the health of the skin over time for results that last. I actually visited a Rationale clinic for a consultation and a treatment following my chat with Richard, which at this point was about a month ago, And I feel as though I've joined a bit of a skincare cult. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all. I mean it in the way that people who, um, I guess, go to F45 gyms probably feel. I visited Richard at Rationale's rather bustling, as I'm sure you'll hear, um, headquarters in Richmond to discuss the importance of working with isotropic ingredients, what the sun is really doing to our skin, and how DNA analysis has the power to change the future of skincare. Now, I know that when you first became really passionate about skin health, you were actually a competitive swimmer. But to start off with, I would like to rewind just a little bit. When you were growing up, did you have any interest in skincare? Um, Yes, I did. So when I was 14, I had my first visit to the dermatologist and it was related to loss of pigment in my skin that was caused by too much sun. And in those days, um, dermatology was a very scary, very conservative profession. And I remember the dermatologist, he was um, in Wollongong where I grew up. And he um, took me into this room where he was doing this x-ray treatment on an old man that had skin cancer. And he said, if you're not careful with your skin, you're going to end up like this old man. So it was real scare tactics, but also fascination Mm -hmm. because I'd never seen um, 
scientific treatments mm -hmm. for skin before. My, my grandmother um, told me once that her great aunt had started the first Australian cosmetics company. It was called Rosemary and it was sold in um, David Jones in Melbourne at the turn of the um, 20th century. And she, um, uh, her, the, the Rosemary line was based on, uh, I think it was a simple cold cream with rose water and I think it was a rice face powder so I found out and my grandmother said oh well it's not surprising you're doing what you're doing because it's in your blood it's in the yeah. family so I guess between those two early influences perhaps or I guess you could say that beauty was in my blood so from 14 from that first visit to a dermatologist yes did you have any ambitions to eventually work in skincare or was it still just something you were you know just looking at because it was a necessity I I knew that medicine wasn't my path because I was I was um also an artistic kid so I played the piano and the cello and I loved dance and acting and and so on so I knew that um my interest definitely lay in the artistic field at least in that early part of my life but as I got older I realized that the two things could coexist mm -hmm. so uh, medicine wasn't to be my path but I definitely felt an affinity for formulation science from my early 20s where I thought oh wow the, the science how to put these beauty products together and make them super effective is is incredibly exciting so you were 25 when you set out to really educate mm. yourself on the science of skin. Yeah. Where were you at at that point in your life? Had you been studying? Yes, yes. So I was a music student. Uh -huh. I, I studied music and music education. Um, I was already a young teacher, so I was teaching privately and also um, in private schools. And I had, um, I, but I still had skin problems. So at 25, I, I had still had acne. I had a lot of sun damage from those early years in the sun, and I was absolutely determined to try and find a way to improve my skin and where did you turn to to you know try and find those answers that mm. you were looking for mm. at that time which is around 1985 mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of interest in a drug called retin-a or retinoic acid is its chemical yes. name and retin-a originally started its life as an acne medication so it's a very um, specific vitamin a molecule that um, has a, a very close affinity for human skin and they found that it was helpful for acne um, but not just acne also sun damage and i thought well i've got both those so let's give it a whirl now in those days you could buy retin-a over the counter really? so yes it wasn't on prescription so I went in I remember I was in Sydney and King's Cross and I went in and asked the pharmacist for a tube of retin-a and he was so suspicious you know I felt like <laughs> I was asking for heroin or something it was so clandestine but he um, gave me the product I tried it and within a few weeks I noticed a big difference but it was very very irritating to my skin so I thought while this is working it's the side effects are not pleasant and I don't want to be doing this long term so that's I guess where my research started. And then where did you start researching? Um, well, the first thing that I did was look, look into what is out there that isn't drug-based mm -hmm. that does work and my first interest was in looking at things that are, uh, compounds called alpha hydroxy acids mm -hmm. and there was just some research starting to be done in the United States showing that these products had a similar effect to retin-a but they were natural mm -hmm. and they didn't have any side effects so that was where I first started was looking at lactic acid salicylic acid um, putting together some very simple formulas now I look back we're you know not very sophisticated um, but but started to to do the trick so it, it really my own research started with my own skin so it's one thing to take an interest in skincare and mm. to start researching but a whole you know career overhaul is another thing entirely yes. so at what point did you say I'm going to take this information and all of this that I've absorbed mm. and I'm going to 
turn this into a career? It happened over about a five-year period, mm-hmm. so say between 25 and 30. And I thought, no, I love this. You know, sometimes you have passing interests in life and they grab your attention, but then they go. And yes. you think, oh, that was fun for a while, and but I don't think I could do that for a living. And then I read recently that... Your passion is, you know, someone says to you, what could you do all day, every day, even if you didn't get paid for it? And that was definitely for me research, researching, but not just researching, researching and formulating skincare products. Thought, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And um, so it was probably about 30 where I decided I needed to get to get training. Mm-hmm. So that was the big change of career for me, from being a music educator and a musician to, um, to being a skincare formulator. And you changed what you were studying as well? Yes. Well, I'd finished studying, mm-hmm. um, and but I went back to university mm-hmm. and uh, studied, I uh, did a diploma in cosmetic science, which was the only degree that was available in those days. Um, and But it was fantastic because it really taught me all about how to make emulsions and how products interacted with the skin. But the truth is, Gemma, that most of my research and most of what I've learned, I've taught myself um, post finishing my course. I guess it's the same with anything in life. The real world's yeah. the best teacher. Absolutely. I think you learn best when you're thrown into the deep end. Yes. So it was 1992 that you yes. launched Rationale. Now, yes. you studied, so you, you obviously understood how to formulate a product, but mm. launching a brand is a much bigger thing. I feel it like is. there are so many extra components that we don't think about. Yes. So how did you go about doing that? I, well, I think there were two aspects to it. The first part was the formulation side. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to make, you know, a, a hand cream or a face lotion. That easy, for some. <laughs> easy for some, but I could teach someone to do that in 30 minutes. Really? The really hard part is when you're looking at adding active ingredients mm-hmm. because that becomes the differentiator between a really effective skincare product and a very poor quality one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I wanted to make the best products available and I knew that that was going to be an expensive proposition to use every um, high quality ingredient I could get my hands on the ingredients that are found naturally in human skin and these a lot of these didn't exist in a commercial sense so the first thing was to learn how to make products that had a perfect affinity for human skin Mm -hmm. that was the first part the second part was the business side that no one tells you about you know learning so my husband Greg and I um, we decided to get on the learning curve for this whole thing together so we had to wear the marketing hat and the production hat and the you know the sales hat and the distribution hat and the education hat so between the two of us we covered every role but it was the best training because we learned from the ground floor what what had to happen to make this venture successful and then from there as we grew it was relatively easy because we knew what a good education specialist would look like and we knew what a a good QC chemist would look like because we'd done it ourselves. I think that's important for a well-rounded business as well because now you know what you yes. know every role yes and of course the trick then is you've got to find people who are better at it than you yes. so you know I think every single person at Rationale is a hundred times better at what they do than either Greg or I were at the beginning I, I think the thing that I, I still try to maintain um, the highest level of excellence is understanding human skin mm-hmm. and what it needs and researching new developments do you recall what the first product was that you launched with well I think the very first product I made was in our kitchen and (laughs) it was just a basic moisturiser and you know it felt like 
discovering the cure for cancer because you know to see water and oil and waxes and things come together um, was it, it was and while it wasn't an earth-shattering formula and nothing compared to what we do today the thrill of, of seeing it work after hundreds of flops was completely exhilarating it would have been now rationale have pioneered a number of world firsts that i yes. think for a lot of people they're sort of you know everyday things for us now that we almost take for granted the first of those was the world's first AHA BHA yes. serum yeah. that you launched that was 1992 it so was. same year as the brand launch same year same big year. year that was a very big year and it was a groundbreaking product because if you recall it was the, the probably the first product I researched that I thought this these organic acids make a difference yes. they change the skin's physiology mm. and they they improve the skin tone texture and overall skin health but the difficulty was this, that you've got alpha hydroxy acids which love water yes. and beta hydroxy acids that love oil and trying to get them into the same formula which had to be oil free because mm. we were making it for people with oily skin predominantly at that time um, was very challenging and there were many, many thousands of failures. So we were the first company in the world to bring that water soluble hydroxy acid and the oil soluble hydroxy acid together and that was, uh, to this day, remains a huge benchmark. Absolutely. How does that process of formulating a product work for you? Where does it mm, start? Mm. Well, uh, the, the starting point for us is always human skin itself. Yeah. So um, rather than think, oh, you know, what's the latest trend or what ingredients are out there, we would look at human skin. How, what is it? What is it? What goes on in human skin? What's happening inside the skin when it's healthy? What's happening inside the skin when it's unhealthy? And then we look at what. The difference is what changed was it the skin's ph was it the lipid profile was it the interaction of the immune cells with, with what's happening on the surface mm -hmm. so that's our starting point human skin itself and then we look at well how does the skin overcome these these problems naturally does it change the ph itself if it does how does it do that does it use vitamin a where does it get it from so so we 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 always look at marrying those two things together how the skin functions when it's healthy and then what it does when it's not healthy and then thinking how can we turn that into a formulation that will restore the skin to a state of health and vitality and how long does that process take um, from the moment of conceptualizing the product through to it being available it's, for it it takes years it, it really was years all of our formulations were I don't think there's a single one where we got it right first time. Mm -hmm. I think every single product you see in the rational range has many, it's built on a foundation of many, many hundreds and sometimes thousands of failed prototypes that just didn't deliver what they needed to deliver. Either they were ineffective or they were very effective, but they were irritating or they were very effective, but they felt terrible. Or So, so all of these parameters that you have to get right, it's not just the product's efficacy, it's also its elegance. Um, all of those, and it's lack of irritancy, all of those things exponentially increase the permutations of what, what can go wrong and the demands on getting it right. And has that process changed over the course of the 25 years? No, no. I, th I think what we're smarter at doing is allowing ourselves enough time mm -hmm. um, to, to experience, to do all the research, to understand human skin and its needs in this particular field, whether it's immunology or sun protection or antioxidants. So to put in those months and months and months of research first before we even go to the bench when we get to the bench we know exactly how what should be in the formula and then of course the rest is just experience so we've learnt from experience what we need to do at the bench to get those ingredients to be not just stay together in the product but to deliver each active ingredient to the precise cell and layer that it needs to go 
we've touched on just one of those world firsts, but yeah. the list is extensive. Yeah. What are some of, I guess, your proudest accomplishments yeah. within the company? Sure. Well, I, th- I think that probably this this is a story that comes from dermatology, but there, there's been a recent study published in Australia showing that all our years of telling people to use sunscreens every day have actually paid off, that we are reducing skin cancer and we are seeing yeah a reduction in skin diseases caused by the sun. Um, so I, I think being at the forefront of creating things like um, our... Um, Superfluid sunscreens, which are very, very lightweight and elegant, but have incredible um, efficacy in sun protection. I think th- those superfluid sunscreens I would describe as the highlight of my career. Um, just being able to deliver something that people love that that does the job so effectively and better than anything else on the market. So, eighty percent of facial aging is caused by the 80%. sun. Yeah, and and a lot of skin diseases are caused by the sun. So that understanding and being able to be able uh, to formulate products that address that, because not all sunscreens are created equal, and there's no. more to skin protection than sunscreens as well. You know, we need immune boosters and antioxidants and so on. So. Getting all those things, getting a comprehensive approach to skin health that focuses on protecting the skin from the sun and repairing sun damage, I think I would describe that as the highlight of my career. Something that's really of interest to me is this idea of skin identical formulas. So this idea of synchronicity between your skincare and just the natural function of the skin. So can you tell me why this is so Mm. important for the overall health of the skin? Yeah, sure. When I started working in this field, Gemma, about 25 years ago, it was believed that the skin was an impenetrable barrier, that you couldn't get anything into the skin. And the idea of feeding the skin or nourishing the skin was laughed laughed at by scientists and, and, and medical doctors. But we now know the exact opposite is true, that the skin is a very selective, it's a highly effective barrier, but it's also selective. And it likes things that it knows well, like anyone else. So if we use um, artificial or synthetic ingredients that the skin doesn't recognise, it will reject them, or if we're lucky, it'll ignore them. If we're unlucky, it'll cause an allergic reaction. But if we the closer we can bring the formulation to being made of the same lipids and proteins and vitamins and minerals and water-loving molecules, the the closer, the more of those ingredients we can incorporate into the formula, the more the skin is at peace or or more comfortable it is with allowing that to pass the the barrier and penetrate where it's going to do its job. So skin identical or isotropic, we use that word as Mm -hmm. well, what it basically means is using as many of the same ingredients found naturally in the human skin to um, increase penetration of the actives, deliver them where they need to go, but also to prevent irritation. That's so fascinating to me. It's interesting. Um, Now, the Rationale ethos is built around the Essential Six, which is the routine that Rationale customers are prescribed. Yes. Two questions. Why six? And Mm. secondly, how does that process of prescribing the products work? Yes, sure. Well, the Essential Six you can think of as... Um, the six food groups mm-hmm. that your skin needs. So I was at a medical conference a few years ago and there was a panel of dermatologists and they were talking about, you know, what does everybody need? What, what do we agree that everyone needs every day to have healthy skin for the rest of their life? And um, each doctor had their point of view and they were all different. But at the end of it, I had my notes and I looked down and I had one, two, three, four, five, six. There were six things. So you need something to boost the skin's immune system. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Secondly, you need um, uh, an, an antioxidant. And we yeah. all know important of antioxidants. The third one, sunscreens. We, we know the importance of sunscreens, and there are good sunscreens and not good sunscreens. Um, so that's number three. And, and then the morning products. 
-hmm. At night, we need to repair the skin's barrier because it becomes damaged by the pollution and daily sun exposure and so on. Then we need to rebalance the skin's pH and bring it back down to a healthy acidic level. Mm -hmm. Um, That's step five. And the sixth step is DNA repair. So looking at um, uh, taking sun-damaged cells and trying as as best as possible to repair any sun-damage that's done at a cellular level. So that was the essential six. Yes. And it is a program that is designed for every skin type, Mm -hmm. but how we get people there is is the the difference. So it's very rare that a person will come into a rational clinic and be prescribed all six products at once. We're much more likely to take a client in and say and look at them and say well your antioxidants are low so we're going to start you on your antioxidants and then when your antioxidants are strong we'll add in an immune booster mm-hmm. or we'll, we'll look at skin's ph so it's a little bit the analogy we use it's a little bit like going for a fitness assessment yeah. so if you go to a personal trainer and they don't even bother talking to you and they say right we're going to do 500 crunches and run 20 k's i mean you'll be in so much pain you'll be so uncomfortable you'll never go back and you yes. certainly won't get better you'll get worse so our approach is to be more like the trainer who says, okay, talk to us about, about your level of skin fitness. Oh, you're, you're very sensitive. Okay, well, we'll start you on immune boosters. Now, we back all this up with DNA testing, but the important point is that there is no um, one way of putting people on all the right active ingredients. We need to make sure that the individual differences are um, addressed and that, that we look at what you actually need in any given point time Mm -hmm. so we wouldn't treat two clients exactly the same way it's the important thing is to figure out where you're at on the continuum and then to take you um from there on the journey and it might take six to twelve months Mm -hmm. to get onto the entire essential six products i think that's a nice way of doing it too because skincare is intimidating for a lot of people intimidating especially you know we've grown up with marketing being you know you cleanse trying to moisturize and that's it so i think it's yeah. you know it scares some people it does scare some more. people and it's very daunting and there's a lot of pseudoscientific talk yes. around skincare um we try to demystify and debunk all of those myths mm-hmm. but the most important thing for us is to understand the individual skin at the genetic level so we get the prescription right yeah. so it's to take the analogy back if you've got a bad back you don't you don't want a trainer that's going to give you exercises that strain your back mm-hmm. you know you want someone that's going to give you exercises that strengthen your back and we're the same we look at where are the individual weaknesses fix those first and then gradually we'll get people onto the entire program now you mentioned the rationale clinics was opening mm. clinics always part of the overall plan if you think back to 92 when you were coming Mm. up with these formulas did you foresee opening clinics all across the country not at first Mm -hmm. when we uh, launched a friend of mine who was studying dermatology and she became a consultant dermatologist she encouraged me to um, further my research and she said if you when you get the products formulated i'll sell them in my office i'll have a a, an esthetician there Mm -hmm. to prescribe them and we'll sell so that was really the first experience we had of retailing the products and and luckily for us our first experience of of distributing the products has been through doctors and that remains the mainstay of of what we do so we have over 100 dermatologists and plastic surgeons in australia who who's proudly stock and recommend rationale um, and, but then later we realised that we needed a, um, a home that was the perfect brand representation because medical practices are very mixed. 
Some of them are very slick, some of them are very plain um, and functional, but all of them have the right heart. You know that you go to your dermatologist, your plastic surgeon, they want to help you get the best, healthiest skin possible and for you to look and feel your best. Um, What they weren't great at was providing a a truly excellent level of customer service. Mm -hmm. So we decided that we needed to to take that on ourselves and we needed to be able to... um, because we are a luxury brand we are yes. a premium luxury brand and we needed to be able to take the customer on that journey so that they experienced the brand in its purest form and that's where our flagship planks came in mm-hmm. because from every touch point the customer um, is treated with the, the time and the and the knowledge and the expertise that they deserve and that doesn't always happen in a medical practice yeah agreed now something that can only be done in the clinics is skin dna testing now i really believe that epigenetics is the best example of mm. how technology has brought skincare and beauty forward. So can you talk to us about this testing and what it means for the future of skincare? Sure. Well, d- d- our skin is inherited but from our parents. So yes. you get one set of genes obviously from your parents, a mother and one from your father, um, and that makes up your skin genome. So mm-hmm. that is, you know, do you have a tendency to fair skin, um, medium skin, dark skin? Um, are you going to freckle? Are you going to develop acne? Are you uh, prone to skin cancers? All those things are genetically determined and we can't change that. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, the emerging science of epigenetics completely turns that on its head because it appears, yes, we are born with this genetic code for our skin, but it is highly influenceable. So, for example, you could be born with, and I was, with a gene for skin cancer, but by your behaviours and the things that you, what you do, for example, particularly with relationship to the sun, determines whether that gene is expressed or not. Mm-hmm. So if you do the right thing skincare-wise, even though you've inherited a genetic tendency to skin cancer, you may not develop skin cancer. It's like flicking a switch. It is exactly like flipping a switch. So whether that switch is activated or not is very much in our hands, mm-hmm. which I find a very encouraging message because yeah. it means that we have control over our skin health and destiny. So how do you physically test a person's skin DNA? Sure. Well, we take a swab from inside the mouth. It's, mm-hmm. it's completely non-invasive and not painful. Yeah. We just take a swab and that gets sent to a pathology lab. And then they look at the six markers. So they look at how what's your skin immunity like? What are your antioxidants like? How's your skin going to respond to the sun? Um, what's your skin barrier like? Mm-hmm. You know, how well do you repair your, and, and how well protected is your skin? What's happening with your skin's pH? And then also looking at the down to the genetic repair, the DNA repair factor. All of those things um, uh, conspire to determine what your DNA is telling us about your skin and where we need to start to help you on the epigenetic journey to make sure the right switches get uh, flicked on and off. And then from there, the essential six are prescribed. Exactly. All of the pieces of the puzzle are yes. together. Again, it's like the, the basics of fitness are, you know, aerobic fitness, flexibility, strength, all those things. And we all need them. Mm-hmm. But how and when they're introduced to us makes all the difference between success and failure. It's the same with the essential six. Mm-hmm. Now, Rationale has really been the country's leading medical skincare brand for upwards of 25 years now. But... Mm-hmm. The beauty industry has changed so much, even just in the last couple of years, and I think social media has quite a lot to do with that. So how do you ensure that Rationale as a brand, Mm -hmm. and more specifically the formulas, stay relevant despite 
you know, how quickly things are changing. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I think it comes down to, Gemma, the, the analogy of fitness. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the basics of healthy skin, it's all there in our skin. And that yeah. hasn't changed for millennia, you know, yeah. since the beginning of human evolution. Our skin genes have been pretty much the same. So we know what healthy skin looks like, what it feels like. And we know how internally it makes us feel when our skin's healthy. All we need to do is make sure that the environmental challenges are dealt with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I was growing up, as I mentioned earlier, people thought the sun was good for us. Good, healthy tan, you know, and being outdoors was good for us. And to a very small extent, that's true. But like all things, you can have too much of a good thing. So we've learned in my lifetime that sun is an environmental challenge that we have to deal with. And being the uh, rationale is the authority worldwide on on the effects of sun on on human skin and how to how to prevent and repair sun damage. So those um, environmental challenges continue. Now we're starting to understand the role that pollution plays, Mm -hmm. for example, in skin, artificial light. Uh, stress, all of these things have major influences and our research is very much focused on developing um, responses to the environmental challenges that our skin is facing as we're living longer, as we're living in different parts of the world and as we're living um, more and more in the sun. Beyond the environment, the digital sphere as its own entity has completely changed the way that people are absorbing information. So are you finding that customers are demanding more from their skincare now that they have so much access to all of this intel yes definitely and we welcome that we, we encourage our consumers to be well read and they are mm-hmm. so our, the rational client is an, a, an educated person uh, they're very much interested in ingredients and what they can do for their skin they're also interested in, in for example their makeup so we have to help mm. women understand how makeup can be friend or foe mostly enemy um, <laughs> because they, they're often not well made for human mm. skin and they can cause everything for acne to dermatitis mm-hmm. um, so yes we find that our, our education arm has to extend to things like the link between diet and skin for example mm-hmm. even though we don't make supplements and so on but we have to know these things um, what are the effects of makeup on the skin for example mm-hmm. so we, we are becoming I guess a conduit for our, our clients to understand the whole picture of what's affecting their skin and what they can do to have healthier skin for their whole life now, you've mentioned the effect of the sun on the skin, and it's, I mean, SPF is so important, but I still think even now it's so often overlooked. Mm. Now that there is so much information out there, do you feel that Australians are sort of stepping up and understanding the effects of the sun, or do we still have mm. a long way to go? I think we understand. I think, firstly, we're doing very well. Right. So worldwide, uh, Australia is um, has gone from having one of the highest skin cancer rates in the world to one of the fastest falling rates of skin cancer in the world mm-hmm. because of, simply because of awareness, education, parents understanding that their children's skin is very vulnerable when they're little yes. and being careful about sun exposure. I think people, Australians, are one of the best populations in the world for wearing sunscreens, mm-hmm. either in moisturisers or, or makeup, which can be a problem yeah. um, if we don't understand how sunscreens work, to... Um, uh, just avoiding the sun and making sure that we're, we're careful with that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of how Australia's responded to the solar challenge. Good, good. I hope we just continue to improve, really, because I, I, I still know I people are. that aren't wearing sunscreen. I know, I know. <laughs> but again, you know, life is measured in minutes, and I, yes. I, I think if it, it's not enough. I mean, everybody knows to not get burnt, and everybody knows to put sunscreen on when you're on the beach all day. Yeah. Our message is to make sure you use the finest quality sunscreens on your face on a daily basis, and you'll have healthy, youthful skin your whole life. It is possible. Yeah. 
And it's in our hands. I want to look this age forever. Yes. Now, what do you think that we can expect to see from the, you know, rapidly changing face of the beauty industry in the next, say, five, ten years? I think it will be a consumer-driven revolution. Mm -hmm. I think that um, consumers have a very uh, loud and clear voice in terms of what they're looking for. We don't want um, hype and uh, fluff and empty promises anymore. I think the consumer is... Just as um, my generation was the generation that became aware of what they were eating and what was actually being put in the food, I believe that the generation below me will be aware of what's in their cosmetics and how they're affecting their skin health. So I expect to see more accountability and transparency from skincare companies, more education, um, avoiding ingredients that are harmful, Mm -hmm. incorporating ingredients that are helpful. Stopping scaremongering. I, I think a yes. lot of organic and natural skincare companies do a lot of harm, putting misleading information out about what's healthy and good for your skin. The truth is some natural things are great for our skin and some synthetic things are great for our skin too. And it's knowing the difference. So mm-hmm. I think that that's an area where the consumer will become more aware of, of not just thinking, oh, you know, this is, comes from a plant so it's good for me, or this was made in a laboratory, it's bad for me. It's not that simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that in mind, Richard, what is next for Rationale? Oh, what's next for us? Well, the big frontier for us is colour, colour yeah. cosmetics, because this is where cosmetic companies often dump a lot of rubbish and, and use ingredients mm. that are harmful to the skin. So our next horizon is our clients are asking us to please go into colour and to please formulate colour from a skincare perspective. So I believe that will be another first for us is taking skincare products and adding color to them as opposed to the trend that's happening now with makeup products uh, makeup companies putting a little bit of skincare into their um, formulations we'll be doing the opposite so we'll be taking all of our solar protective and repair technologies um, and and using that as the basis for our color cosmetics so that's coming up in the next um, 18 months which is very exciting for us. So then we'll have the whole picture. We'll have everybody um, with beautiful skin that looks looks as well as um, feels beautiful. That was Richard Parker of Rationale Skincare, which you can find on Instagram at Rationale or online at rationale.com. To read my interview with Richard, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatt or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us and join the Glow Journal family. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.